Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Welcome online. Thank you all for being a part. We love you. Uh, I'm your host, Homer Hargrove, and today we are at Grave Top Church on Independence Day. Um, sorry, I just heard the, the jingling, and I was like, is Santa coming to town? <laughs> um, do you think, Joel, you could just close that door real quick? Um, but uh, <laughs> welcome to Grave Top Church today. Um, I'm so glad y'all can make it, even on 4th of July. Uh and today we're we're continuing our series easy mistakes part six and um oh sorry happy fourth of july everyone can we just let's all clap for fourth of july right <laughs> um this is definitely an interesting fourth of july because um there's there's so many uh this is the first time so many families are getting together uh after um after a year of covid 2020 is and um, I personally had this, you know, this is a conspiracy, but last year when it was like really on, on demand, but people were buying fireworks and everything, I was like, you know, if this was like a secret uh, biological weapon of China, all of these fireworks are made in China. And wouldn't it be the most like dastardly plan to have all of these uh, chemicals released in the fireworks as they explode on our Independence Day? It's like straight out of a movie, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, like we were watching the fireworks. Like, don't breathe it in. Like, um, but I don't think that happened. So we'll just—I guess—we'll just time will tell. But um, uh, this is a this is a, a great Fourth of July. A lot of families getting together for the first time. And um, but that being said, we are still continuing our series on easy mistakes. I do like doing special messages for special holidays that fall on a Sunday. Um, but I also uh, really feel like the, a lot of times the series just falls right in line with it. You know what I'm saying? Um, today we're going to be talking about the person Paul. Paul in the Bible. He was once known as Saul, um, but today uh, we're going to widely known. Uh, he's widely known as Paul. And this whole series we've been doing a person study of the different people in the Bible, and really trying to learn from the mistakes that we see in Scripture. And Paul, uh, he really only has uh, widely seen mistakes at the beginning of his story when he was still known as Saul. And that's where we're going to pick up today. And our first thing that we're going to identify from his story is when you know, you know. And these are quotes of easy mistakes. When you know, you know. How many divorces happen with the start of that quote? Are they the ones? Well, when you know, you know. <laughs> how many... How many uh, big mistakes started with this quote? Well, when you just know, you know. Does it feel right? Oh, when you know, you know. A couple months later, a couple years later, you're like, this was the biggest mistake <laughs> of my life. It is incredibly dangerous to believe that you're right only because you feel that you're right. It is incredibly dangerous to believe that you're right only because you feel that you're right. Sorry, I kind of got a little ghetto. Only because you feel like you right. <laughs> you, are, you are right. In Acts chapter 8, verse 1 through 3, we see Paul appearing in the story. He says, Saul, who, who is later named Paul, 
Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. Stephen was one of the first martyrs in the book of Acts. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women for not wearing their mask. I mean, for not for to throw them in a prison. It was a joke, right? Um, it goes on to say, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest and he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation and the rest of the follower, any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. So as we look at this, this depiction of Paul, he doesn't really look like a very nice guy. <laughs> um, he's dragging people out of their homes. It wasn't just like, uh, a lot of times I feel like even when we read this story, we imagine people like preaching in the streets and like, like kill them. Like, <laughs> and he's actually on a mission searching. He's doing like recon stuff. You know what I'm talking about, Joel. <laughs> and he's finding people who believe in the way and finding them, bring, dragging them out of their houses, imprisoning some, putting others to death. I mean, just think about that, that right there. It's one thing to like find believers and imprison them because of their faith, but to the point of death. So one can conclude that Paul was a murderer as he was going about this business of finding Christians, killing Christians, imprisoning Christians, all because of their faith in Jesus. And I want you to also note that it says bringing to, uh, he wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. And so he has like no, uh, no mercy in the sense of like, let women and children go first. <laughs> He, he had no mercy. His idea was anyone that believes this way, it doesn't matter if they're a child, if they're a lady, it doesn't matter, they need to be imprisoned or put to death. So he is passionate at this point in being completely convinced that this way is wrong. Now, those of y'all who don't know, Paul gets converted. He has this big moment that we're going to read about, and he is one of the most influential and powerful apostles for Christianity in this time, to the point where his decisions and where he preached literally caused the gospel movement to spread to Europe and even the creation of America. It, America and all of uh, all that we are today, when it comes to our uh, our Christian faith and even it being founded, would have never happened if it wasn't from uh, for Paul not going to Macedonia and going west instead. The gospel message would have went to Asia instead of towards Europe. And so completely different course of history because of this man. And he wrote 70% of the New Testament. So we're talking about a, a, a powerful person of the Christian faith, but here we see all the mistakes that he made, the biggest mistakes that he made. And his biggest mistake was simply that, when you know, you know. His problem was that he believed so strongly that he was right to the point of passionately condemning people to be imprisoned or to die. He was convinced by his emotion, by his passion, 
and by his limited perspective. It, it's, it's so um, relevant to the way our division in our country is today, to where we are so limited in our perspectives. I mean, I have a friend that lives in Wisconsin and we talk often, you know, we have really widely different political views, but we are able to still talk and disagree and still be great friends. And what, what we often come across is that just in our geographical locations, we have completely different outlooks on society because the regions that we live in are completely different. Uh, where he, uh, up north, it's just like a lot more segregated. While here in San Antonio, we're like a melting pot. It's like you go one street over and it's a completely different neighborhood. It's, it's just completely different. And this, what I'm, the reason I'm sharing that is because it shows Paul, without any form of technology, he had the limited perspective of his surroundings. Just what you know. It's like when you're growing up and you only know your family and then you see how other families act and you're like, oh, I didn't know that they're supposed to treat each other like that. Oh, I didn't know that families... Uh, don't cuss at each other at dinner table or, or fight or blah blah blah. It, not saying that my family does did that. I'm just it, illustrations, okay? <laughs> um, but it your perspective, the older you get, begins to grow because you realize how small your world is. For Paul, that's this moment. His he is acting so passionately out of his limited perspective of his worldview, and and the passion that he has. It is just this uh, snowball effect of his emotion and passion mixing with his limited perspective. And we often justify our ignorance. You know what ignorance is? Is not knowing. You don't know what you don't know. We justify our ignorance by simple feelings. And at best, feelings is like the lowest form of, of uh, knowledge. It, it's the lowest form. The second lowest form is our own experiences, our singular experiences and perspectives. Are they able to be used? Of course, they guide us in our entire lives, but yet it is limited to only your eyes, to your, your experiences, and not anybody else's. That's one of the reasons why our political divide is so deep in our country right now, because everyone is arguing their singular perspectives of their upbringings and their, their region, and their, their, uh, what they see, what they can experience, and comparing them to each other, and they don't match up. And so both sides are saying, no, this is right, no, this is right. And these singular experiences are perspectives that are incredibly limited. And sometimes it is because, uh, it is also because we trust people within our common influence, and in our common circles, or we trust people in leadership so much that we don't investigate it ourselves. One of our greatest values is always know why you believe what you believe. And that trust is a beautiful thing. But often, even, uh, even when we have people that we look up to, uh, that we admire, or people that we just know, when they have a certain view or perspective, we carry it as our own, not because we experience what they experience that developed that worldview, but because we trust them enough to just adopt it ourselves. Y'all dig what I'm saying? That's, uh, that's one of the reasons why 
even racism was able to last as long as it did within generations because even though people didn't understand why racism existed they saw the way their parents and their grandparents and it's so on and it tr it trickled down y'all get what i'm saying it's a deteriorating trickle as people continue to grow in their knowledge but it is still a trickle within families and generations and society y'all dig what i'm saying and what i'm getting at is that so often other people have a bad experience and we adopt that bad experience as our own and make it a universal principle meaning that it just always is when it's simply not true it was a single experience it, it was a, a not even an anomaly at times but we we adopt it so heavily and become passionate like paul and behave in ways that we regret later because we were ignorant y'all dig what i'm saying i hope that as i'm describing this we're identifying these moments that we have adopted and emotions that we have felt and knowing that uh, we were convinced of something that we were ignorant of just really think about that for a second being convinced of something being true even though you're ignorant of everything about it it we behave like this on a daily basis with almost every view that we have and we go by our feelings i'll go as far to say that that is why 70 percent of young people as soon as they graduate high school that are actively engaged in youth groups at their churches abandon their faith because they were going off of the feelings of the room when they were in youth group it felt emotional and so it felt good and then once they start to develop and grow and they start realizing that not even their parents know why they believe what they believe and they start thinking for themselves and they start there's uh, i would say that that 70 percent statistic is more so not a hatred towards god growing in their lives but the desire to not be a hypocrite of believing something that they don't understand. And our churches have failed at bringing truth and knowledge to things that have very answerable questions and making young people think that they shouldn't ask questions in the first place. And we try to urge them to just take this motto, when you know, you know, or just go by your feelings, but then tell them not to go by their feelings and anything else. Only with what I tell you should you go by your feelings and just trust me. But don't trust the world. Don't trust any of your college professors. Don't trust anybody else. Just trust me. It, it's, it's ridiculous. And for Paul, I want us to understand that he threw out the possibility of Jesus actually being the Messiah that was promised to the Jews because of all these three reasonings. Because of his feelings of actually having a passion for God that was underdeveloped and, uh, and had plenty of ignorance within it. it. His feelings, his limited experience and knowledge, he was a Pharisee. He grew to be a Pharisee, which means all of his influence were Pharisees, the same Pharisees that condemned Jesus to die. So his perspective was literally ingrained in prejudiceness against people who followed Jesus. And then finally, his... Uh, his peer pressure influence influential trust all of those around him were against the way thus he was against the way he was against jesus followers just because everybody around him was against it we blindly follow the path of others even when it's off the cliff never be satisfied with what you know that's one of our values at grave top never be satisfied with what you know it's why we urge 
our church family to always read scripture. Because if I were to give this entire message, all the messages that we give, how do you even know if what I'm saying is right? How do you even know if what I'm saying is true or if we're not just some cult and one day we're going to drink communion and be like, oh. <laughs> I know last communion y'all were kind of nervous, <laughs> but how would you really know unless you searched for knowledge yourself? It doesn't mean you have to become an expert, but it is important for us as believers to become knowledgeable, to put evidence to our feelings to put evidence for the hope that we have. So now that we know that feelings are not, uh, are not a good justification for our ignorance, that when you know, you know, you really don't know. Now I want us to go into, I need to experience it myself. How many of us as teenagers went through this phase of not wanting to listen to any adult around us and we just need to experience it ourselves? Or maybe you as an adult, said, well, you know, they're just going to have to make their mistakes on their own. They, they, they're going to have to experience, them, experience it themselves. Ignoring the experience and knowledge of others stunts and hinders your potential. Ignoring the experience and knowledge of others stunts and hinders your potential. In Acts chapter 9, verse 3 through 9, it says, As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, and the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus, and he remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Bummer for Paul. Uh, he, he literally didn't experience any personal growth with his faith, his relationship with God, a new perspective, an inward change, until it literally slapped him in the face. If this moment would have never happened, if God himself didn't come down and, and stop Paul from what he was doing, he would have never changed. And it's, a, it's that stubbornness that so many of us have within us, that obstinance that says, I don't need to listen to anybody, I'll find out on my own. And Paul was extremely blessed and lucky for God to stop him. But so often a lot of us behave the same way and don't even consider change until our lives are falling apart. How many of us only start going to church because everything around us was being destroyed? <laughs> everything was falling apart. We didn't know what to do and we were simply desperate. And so we started going to church out of desperation. That is exactly a moment like we have with Paul, especially when it comes to our faith and our relationship with God. We wait till everything's falling apart to begin to listen. It, when we ignore people's advice, and don't get me wrong, not all people's advice is good. I, I actually believe that sometimes the, the most common unnecessary or even wrong advice is unsolicited advice. <laughs> advice that's not asked for. And people just think that they're so smart and give it so freely. It's like, 
I don't think anyone asked you. <laughs> but truly, there's so much, uh, there, even though there's a lot of times we don't want to take the advice of others, we limit ourselves from excelling past their mistakes. And we only become destined to repeat their mistakes ourselves. But if we seek for wisdom by opening our minds to other people's perspectives, opening our, our minds to other people's mistakes and experiences, we are able to be catapulted forward past those same mistakes. The, it, it's like, why would you want to repeat the same mistake that somebody already showed you is a bad idea, is a bad mistake, and say, well, I'll just see myself. And then you end up having the mistake, and you're like, well, I, that was bad. <laughs> yeah, they were right. It, it's, I, I get that there's sometimes where we just don't trust people, but a lot of times it's like having a math equation in front of you and a, a substitute teacher or a teacher aide coming by and saying, oh, you're doing that problem wrong. I'll figure it out myself, thank you. <laughs> like, no, you're doing it wrong, you don't, you don't add it that way. I'll do it myself, thanks. I, I, can, I got it from here. Only to spend all this time, all of this energy coming up with the wrong answer when someone tried to help you do it the right way before. And if you were to have listened to the advice, or you would have opened your mind to it, you would have been able to get three more problems done by the time you were getting that problem wrong. Don't get me, don't misunderstand me. You'll still make plenty of mistakes even when you listen to other people's advice. But your mistakes will be next level mistakes. They won't be the, the ordinary mistakes that everybody makes. You'll be making mistakes that are advanced. <laughs> As you're excelling and doing better and greater things, you'll be making potential, uh, having potential within your mistakes rather than just getting above the surface and breathing. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And we really need to understand we don't need to wait to have a Paul and Damascus moment to start looking for a change within us. Don't wait for your whole world to crash around you before you ask somebody for advice. As a young pastor, I knew that once, once we moved here to start the church, that I'm young and dumb. I know, it's not, it's, honestly though, it's not the year of the car, it's how many miles has been driven, okay? <laughs> and all that being said though, I still wanna hear the advice from, a, from an 88 Corolla, okay? Or a, a, a 73 Corolla that's still running rather than uh, thinking that I can just make it as long as I can. It, it a, I know my analogies can get kind of whack sometimes, but <laughs> what I'm getting at is we can, go, we can end up driving so much farther than what we're capable of if we listen to the advice of people that have driven just as far as we're at now and farther. Y'all feel me? So let's not wait for these moments to have personal development, personal growth, to grow and let's open our minds for knowledge and advice and even mentoring from others that's why like I said it that's why when we moved here I asked every older old guy that I could find if anyone any of those old guys are on I'm not I'm just you know hyperbole it's exaggeration they're not old guys um, to give me advice because I don't want to make I don't want to have to go through years and years of mistakes when they could just tell me Y'all feel that? 
Now let's go on to our last point. Don't repeat the same mistakes. Don't repeat the same mistakes. Now, this might sound repetitive, but it's actually very profound. The only way to avoid making the same mistakes is by doing things differently. The only way to avoid making the same mistakes is by doing things differently. It's like the classic story of a young girl that says, all the guys I date are losers. Maybe <laughs> it's because you keep choosing the same kind of guy. <laughs> I mean, I don't know a lot of guys, but I know that not all guys are losers. There's a lot of them, okay? But really, maybe you're just getting the same. And when, and if, if any of y'all know that, that close friend of yours, <laughs> that cousin, that sister, whatever, and you look at the guys, they all look the same too. <laughs> They all look the same, they all act the same, but what does she say? He's so different. <laughs> he acts completely different. Today, he said I look pretty. It's like, that's, that's the plus? Like, that's, that's the plus side? That's like the minimal. Like, even if you don't look pretty, he needs to tell you you look pretty. <laughs> but we, we, we do that all the time. And we're wondering, like, what's wrong with the world? The universe is just out to get me. No, like, you need to do things differently. If your car keeps breaking down, it's like you should start changing the oil more routinely. If you keep getting flat tires all the time, you need to change your tires more often. You know, the, we have these repeated mistakes in our history, in our lives, and we don't change anything. We just go by luck and chance. When really, luck and chance is... is a minimal stance in the world sometimes and you're able to make a lot of changes to determine to be different look at what look at Paul in this moment Acts chapter 9 verse 21 through 22 he has this huge conversion he's able to see again he had someone pray for him and now he's a full blood believer on fire for Jesus and look what it says here all who heard him were amazed isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus followers in Jerusalem they asked, and didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful. And the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. So Paul found evidence in Scripture, in the Torah, in the Old Testament of Jesus, Yeshua, being the Messiah. There is evidence already there, proof already there in Scripture that he fulfilled all these prophetic promises. It was already there, and he didn't look for them until he made a change. It was always accessible to him. He was out killing people on a feeling, while evidence was always available for him to find. This is... This is a moment where we need to look at ourselves because Paul was able to find these undeniable proofs of Jesus, in fact, being the Messiah. And it wasn't until he started looking for himself that he was able to find out the truth. He had to, get, he had to literally stop from listening to what people told him to believe and look to why he believed himself. And it... He learned his lesson in the importance of knowing why you believe what you believe 
and finally took his faith into his own hands rather than leaving it to his feelings and singular experiences and others simply telling him what to believe. Let us learn from this huge mistake of his and from our history and make changes today. It was saying be different in order to make a difference. Be different to make a difference. And it's so powerful because it's a two-sided coin. In order to make a difference in the people around us, in our society, then we have to do things differently in the way that we behave, in the way that we operate, in the way that we love our neighbor. In order to make a difference inwardly, we have to be different than what we were before. It is pivotal for us to understand that change is something that is determined. The world is always changing, but we often don't change until we make the change. No good habit is formed by, by just happenstance. Every bad habit forms that way, but I've never once accidentally started flossing. Not once in my entire life. It, it was only when the dentist asked me, how often do you floss? And I would say, you were there. <laughs> Last time I was here, what are you talking about? But once I made the decision, I don't really like gingivitis. Uh, <laughs> I don't like bad, uh, the bad breath that lingers. <laughs> and I started flossing every day. It was something that I literally had to decide to do. But when it comes to like eating ice cream or sleeping in, I mean, whoever, uh, now that I have kids, it, you actually do have to try to sleep in. It's impossible, uh, but you have to try to. But other than that scenario, you never accidentally uh, wake, like, wake up and do, uh, go to the gym and do productive things in the morning. It's only by determination and a choice. We do accidentally snooze. We do accidentally sleep in. We do accidentally not. Uh, per, we accidentally procrastinate and do things we we know that kick us in the butt later. But it's not until we really make a change. And these are all just habits that I'm describing. Let's look at the really big stuff. Let's look about our relationships with our families, our relationships with potential spouses or people that we date. I mean. This is really, really important for us to recognize if we want to start having a difference in our lives, and a difference in our relationships, a difference in our families. And the most important thing is a difference with our faith. I don't know about you, but I am really not satisfied with the boring, stale faith I've found at churches. The, the just bland same old, same old uh, vibes and crappy messages and same songs and just all this politeness where we just put colors everywhere and say like, oh, God is so good. <laughs> I, I just am not satisfied with that. I just can't. I need to experience, if there's all this power in scripture, I need to be able to experience it. I don't want to just have this pretty little faith that I just put, uh, am able to dress up on Sunday. Uh, it's worthless. It is truly worthless. It, and that, that kind of faith where it's just this pretty little thing you keep on your Sunday shelf is truly not fulfilling. 
and it will never keep you in the times of a storm in your life. It's only the like down home dirty faith. Like Lauren, like whenever we get like breakfast tacos and we're trying to decide like what kind of breakfast tacos we're actually really going to get, I'll get, throw out a suggestion here or there. And she's like, no, no, I just want some like down hold like dirty Mexican tacos. I'm like, okay. Like, and oddly enough, I know exactly what she's talking about. It's like, yeah, those are good. And, and not that the tacos are dirty, but it's like they were made from hand. Like it was, there was work in it. You can tell that they were, they were formed. It wasn't just opened out of a package. And in the same way, we need our faith to be formed like that. We need some homemade faith, just like some homemade tortillas. And we need to experience something real and true instead of the package uh, Christianity that we've been opening in those little tiny communion uh, packets in churches. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I hate those things. We need real, real powerful faith. And the only way you can find that is by being different than the faith you've experienced already. I want us to all close our eyes and bow our heads. And if you're here and this this conversation about Paul is touching you in some way. It's ministering to you and you're realizing that what you have been holding on to is simply feelings. And you know that God is pushing you to go deeper. To have a deeper faith. A deeper closeness with Him by walking forward. Maybe you're here and you're, and you're just realizing that you need to have this faith change for the very first time. Maybe you need to recommit to it because you realize all you've had is feelings and it's just been that boring, stale Christianity that I just talked about. But you want to experience God's true power in your life. If that's you, with every head bowed and eye closed, I want you to simply raise your hand. Amen. And so just right there to yourself, I want you to have a conversation with God. I want you to just have a moment where you talk to Him in a genuine way. We get so caught up with the way that we say things in churches, we label things. The Bible says in the book of Romans that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who He says He is, that He's the Son of God that died on the cross and rose from the dead, that surely you shall be saved. What it's saying is that if you talk to God, acknowledge this huge act of love He performed for you, and have this conversation with Him of recognizing that, and if you're authentic in your heart about it, that surely that's all it takes to start this journey with Him. God is, the more that I study Scripture, the more I realize how down to earth God is, and He consistently calls us to be authentic, in our pursuit of him. We often think that he calls us to just be simply perfect and that if we're not perfect, we're not good enough. He cares more about our authenticity and our humility than he does about our performance. And I want you to just have that honest conversation with God right where you're at. You don't even need me to lead you through it. You can just talk to God and say, I don't really know how to do this, but I know that I want to get closer to you. I don't understand everything, but I just, I know that I need you and I want to understand things. I want to know what this faith is and I want to understand it. Help me. I really know that, that Jesus is here in this room and the Holy Spirit right now 
is pressing on your heart. What you're feeling in that presence of God is a real tangible thing. And it is so much more than this simple moment. It's a powerful thing that beckons great results. So God, right now I ask that you minister to every heart, that you finish what you started, and that you cause people to experience your presence without a doubt. I pray that you would not be mysterious to them, but that you'd be known to them. I thank you, God, that you have called them and that you know them by name and that you love them. In Jesus' name, amen. With that being said, we're going to have a moment where we're going to worship. And before we do, we're going to sign off online. Thank you all for being a part. We love you. Have a good life. Have a good rest of your I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.